So you are listening to our Chinese and English journey. We have two moms today. I'm Grace, and I'm Christine. And today it's our very very first、um, episode. So we want to talk about why I want to start this podcast and how I found Christine in this process. And so I can first talk about this podcast. Uh, by introducing a little bit about myself, so I was born and raised in Taiwan until I was、um, 18, and so I came here for college and basically stay in the states after that. And even a little bit before I have kids, I've been thinking about like I really wanted to be able to speak Chinese and English.、Um, it's really because my parents are still in Taiwan. I still have a lot of family and then also friends and then classmates that I grew up with are in Taiwan. So I want my kids, not just those like、um, kids that who couldn't really understand or speak Chinese and cannot have that interaction or connection with those people. I really Love, and so it's like even before they are they 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 were born, I was like, this is something I wanted to do. So I started this journey like、um, basically as soon as they were born. But I think the struggle at the very beginning was really like I have no idea what to do.、Um, so I was just wondering how、um, Christine, the, how how you started this journey. And then, why do you want to do this? Yeah, so I am born here. My parents are from Taiwan and immigrated here, so that's kind of my background. I had the benefit of having my maternal grandmother live with us, and she didn't speak any English, so that kind of helped me maintain my Chinese like linguistic skills. Unfortunately, it doesn't help with reading or writing, but at least it helps me with the conversational aspect of it. And because of mainly her, like I definitely wanted. Um, the language aspect to be passed down to any children that we have, and as well as our family. So, thankfully, my husband is a native speaker.、Um, I was hoping to rely more on him <laughs> to help out more, but because of like his obligations in terms of work and. Personal life, like it's it's been a challenge to have him help out as much. So I've kind of taken on more of the initiative, but I didn't plan on to. So I was hoping to rely more on him. And then when I realized <laughs> it wasn't happening, I was like, oh, well, I need to step it up. So for me, it's I started learning Chinese alongside my child.、Um, but yes, I did go through Chinese school, but it's something that I didn't upkeep. So it's definitely something that I. Forgotten. So, and we have a great community here as well, where there are a lot of native Chinese speakers, and all of them speak Chinese primarily at home. So, I'm thankful for that community because that way、um, we have similar language goals, and we can help discuss any challenges and uplift each other when we run into obstacles. Perfect. So, it, it, I feel like I can really. Resonate with that because my husband, who was born in Taiwan but grew up in the states, and then what he wanted to do from the beginning is he's really supportive of what I wanted to do, but he wanted to do that one parent one language method. And I still remember very clearly when my twins turned two years old, and I think at the time, yes, I'm speaking Chinese and my husband speaks English. 
But then I think that very beginning when they start to, it was like my daughter was like start to count like one to ten in English, and then, and they were just starting their、um, Chinese preschool back then, and I was like, no, this can't be happening. <laughs> I really want them to just. Use Chinese as like the very primary language at first. So one of my birthday gifts I asked my husband is was、uh, if he can speak Chinese to the kids. That will be my biggest birthday, and then he did, and that was like it really helped the whole process. Just because at home, you know, I think at the time I was struggle a lot because it feels like I'm the only person who wants to do this, and he just like. Use English as his, you know, very comfortable language to speak with. And for me, it's like I use English for work, so it's like have to turn that switch on, you know, after work. It was always a little bit. It's still a struggle. And、um, I was just chatting with another mom, who's which is gonna be the second episode. Uh, she was telling me that she also had that problem, but she feels like that's like a muscle memory. Like you just have to keep working on and until you get comfortable、um, using the language as a mom. Because I feel like I've been using Chinese as a language just as adults. You know, I talk to my parents, whereas you know, we talk to my friends to it. I never really know the language to te- teach like Chinese and also use the language as like a mom. It was kind of a struggle with that, but I think after my kids started to go to Chinese preschool, and then it started to get a little bit better, just because there's teachers in the school that can help, you know, the language development and everything. So that was when they're like three, four years old. They were getting more vocabulary either from home or from the school. And then, and then that's when I, we really feel like, oh, it's starting to get better and better. But the struggle the past two years was, it's. I know most people will say like, oh, it will pass, but it, it is a true struggle, which is they don't know English, so we can't really find English babysitters because they don't really, they can't really communicate with them. We are like speaking Chinese at, at home. Chinese at school, so their their ability to to interact with outside world, even just watching t- like TV,、um, still it's like their comprehension of English is very low. So, I mean, we try to just keep on going on, but then you know there's still like two years of like have to translate everything to them, and sometimes they want us to. Only speak Chinese at home because that's the only language they can understand. And then, not until they're four, they start to making friends that speak English, and that's when it really kick in a little bit more and more. So I'm just wondering, Christine, it's like throughout this process from like I will say like language development starting from like one and a half years old until now, your son's also like kindergartner. What's the process like for you? Yeah, I think、um, it's it wasn't very methodical because I think at one and a half, I did a lot of sign language with him, and then that transitioned to English and a little bit of Chinese.、Um, but then 
when we had the decision to put him in preschool and um, as well as kindergarten, we didn't really have the Chinese option because I felt like I had to choose between the language and the better fit. And I decided to choose the better fit. Um, so that's kind of been the challenge for us as well. And I think a lot of parents have to ultimately make that choice where you can't have both. You either choose language or you choose the more established school that you feel is a better environment for your child. And um, it was definitely a, a hard decision. I think we, we spoke about it and deliberated when decided to choose the one that was a better fit. Um, but for us, English is very much his dominant language. He does speak in Chinese very randomly, <laughs> so which which I really really like. Um, he doesn't always use it correctly because, like you know, when he needs help, he goes "juminga," and people are like, "You're so dramatic." It's really really cute, and then it's he uses it in a very like dramatic way, and he he'll say, "Oh, well, how coke, well, how uh," <laughs> and so I think it's great that he can use it, but I think a lot of the challenges I run into is due to my own confidence level because English is a very much our dominant language in our house and as well as my upbringing and same, my husband has the same challenges I was like can you speak to him more but for him he works so so long at work speaking English and he said it's just very hard for him to just switch to Chinese and a lot of times when we're explaining very complicated things it's hard to do that in Chinese and and my my son also has a hard time with the tonations as well. And he was like, well, what's the difference between like, for example, like ma is like a great one and he doesn't understand the difference. And sometimes the words sound exactly the same, right. just like how we have in English. Yep. And so it's very, very hard, I think, as a non-native speaker to try to explain things to him. Because even when I'm learning, you know, there, how there's three different duh, duh, right? It's like, what duh. And then there's like, different types i was like it sounds the same it's pronounced the same but grammar wise it's used completely it's different. different exactly yeah so i think when so i think that's like basically the challenge and how to incorporate it and so i ended up spending a lot of re money on resources on a lot of stuff to try to compensate it and i was like well I, actually the only resource i need is time and time <laughs> it's just really hard to commit the time, the consistency to just learn this language and make it immersive. And something that I think um, one of the other bloggers said, she said that she like started labeling everything. So I started doing that. And then, but once you start the written language, you're like, oh, should we do traditional or simplified? <laughs> so I think at every decision point, there's like a lot of crossroads. And I think that has been the biggest challenge because I don't think there is a right decision. I think everyone's journey is different, um, but that's probably the biggest challenge for me. It's just at every point, I'm like, okay, we've decided on one thing, but then there's like more decisions to be made on how, what's the best process. Yeah, exactly. I feel like like every every age it's like a new struggle or new challenge now. Like right now we're in kindergarten and um, of course the school just I think even though we're in a bilingual school, I think most students still tend to speak English than Chinese. So 
uh, for me right now, it's like how to maintain at least speaking speaking wise. I really want them to continue as like you know one of the main language that communicate with us, but. I can see slowly they're fading out, replaced with a lot of English vocabulary. They just don't know those words in Chinese, so I have to keep like translating and tell them what exactly those words are. And 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 now I think intellectual wise, they also want to know more complex Chinese vocabulary, which I will. I'm so far I'm able to teach them, but I feel like without really Having them to use it very often, I feel like they can lose those things very easily.、Um, and then now it's like they start to learn how to read English. So I would just like,、uh, it's it's like a it's like a battle now. It's a battle between English and Chinese because before it's easy. It's not really like real school. It's mostly just play with like friends at school, you know, because it's just before the actual. Uh, kindergarten. So right now, I feel like it's always like every day. Also, oh, what should I do? Should I practice more, or should I just like let them watch TV? That kind of thing.、Um, so, so I think this podcast will be something along with、um, talking about the struggle with everybody else. I think a lot of people have similar kind of struggles and. And then, but everybody's journey seems like slightly different, also because everybody's background is a little bit different. So when I wanted to start this podcast, <clears throat> it's really、um, starting from this Facebook group called "Raising Bilingual Kids in Chinese and English," and it was started with this dad called Oliver to、um, actually interview him for one of my. Essays in a publication in Taiwan, and he runs this、um, blog that he wrote. I think starting in two thousand fourteen, it's called "Raising Bilingual and Biliterate Chinese、uh, Children in Chinese and English." And that blog actually helped me a lot from the beginning, just because they talk about actual method that that dad used. So,、um, and I think from there. Um, I started to feel a little bit like there is a method I can follow, which is a lot of moms that or dads talk about it at that Facebook group, which is the CLE, the Chinese Language Ecosystem. So it's something like you basically surround your kids with everything in Chinese. So we play Chinese audio from Netflix cartoon. We have a lot of Chinese books. I buy from Taiwan, or I just order some from Taiwan, or also buy secondhand from other moms in the states. So so far, you know, I think that 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 system that the Oliver、uh, too was introduced to a lot of family actually is working for I feel like the younger age kids, but then now you know it's a new challenge now. It's like reading; it's my next、uh, struggle, and because it's like. To able to read something even very simple, you have to have a lot of、uh, vocabulary, and also you have to recognize a lot of Chinese characters.、Um, and for me, even growing up in Taiwan, you know, I I I I just follow what school kind of taught me. So personally, even though I'm a Chinese native speaker, I don't know how to teach kids. So it's not like. 
a a born skill that I I know I and then also have the patience to do it. <laughs> um. So this is something something like you know trying to figure out every time you know we're trying to go for the next step. The the name for this podcast is called our Chinese and English journey, and and this is actually a name that Christine. Gave it to us. Initially, I want to name the podcast something along with like bilingual kids and that. But then when when Christine gave me this name, I really like it. So I'm just wondering, like, how you came up with that name? Yeah. So I think part of it is because、uh, I'm learning Chinese along with my child, and I think. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of moms who have similar, or parents in general that have similar backgrounds, where they're native speakers and they just want to pass their language and their、um, culture down to their kids. But for me,、um, that's not the case. So I have to learn alongside with him, and that itself comes with a lot of challenges. And I think there are people who also want to incorporate Chinese, where none of the parents are native speakers, because they see value in utilizing it as a, an additional foreign language. So I think it's definitely a journey, and I think it's a journey for the family. I didn't want it to just be about. Parenting, and I think that's probably a really big aspect of what the podcast is going to be. But I think when you say raising, it kind of like implies immediate success in a way, whereas like journey, it it will uncover like accomplishments and setbacks and challenges because the language journey is not linear. It's like you know sometimes he can. Read or say like fifty characters, but then when we re- revisit, he's like forgotten it all. <laughs> like, yeah, like what happened? <laughs> like I'm not sure what happens, but it's you know obviously there's a lot of you know repetition and reinforcements that's needed, and it's fine when you're not surrounded by it. But I I definitely felt like it represented what we what I'm going through, and and hopefully other people can relate to the title as well. Definitely, I I feel the same way. I feel, and then this is gonna cover in our second episode when I interview、um, one of the blogger, Sunny Horseman, and then she also made a really good point: is we know the language Chinese,、um, like I mentioned previously, like not as a, a language we we know how to teach our kids. Like for example. Gentle, like parenting vocabulary, like I don't know how to say、oh. those things in Chinese because you know my parents never say those things to me because that's not the kind of parenting what I grew up with. So it's like you know, but then now we're in this day and age. It's like you know we need to be gentle and then more communication with the kids, and that seems like what most parents are doing. But it's like for me, I have to translate those things. From English to Chinese, and when I'm doing that translation, it just doesn't sound right. It sounds really <laughs> weird to me. Huh? Is that how you say it? Like, like my my um my son's a little bit like Russian, you know, the little boys a little bit aggressive sometimes. So I was like, 轻一点，温柔一点 But it's like for me, it just sounds weird. It's like when I say that, but then. That that is the correct way to say, or you know, sometimes I have to learn from、um, 
other parents in Taiwan just trying to see like how they say those things. But the thing is, the way they parent, like do the parenting in Taiwan, also different from the way we do the parenting here. So they may not even say those things. So it's like there's you you are in this like weird. I don't know how to describe it. like like a world that you are do you are you live in the states you are doing what most American do to treat their kids but then you're translating things in Chinese so um, that's just another thing and I would love to learn more about those little detail from other moms and then see how they do it and what what kind of vocabulary they actually use. Um, in this podcast, so I just wondering because we list down a couple of different like topics to cover in the next few episodes, and I was just wondering if any topic that really interests you. Yeah, so I think I'm interested in a variety of topics, but I think in particular, I I like what you talked about—the whole gentle parenting aspect. Because I remember the Facebook group you mentioned, they help with translation sometimes, and I had asked, "How do you say 'I'm proud of you'?" And then a lot of people were jokingly said, "There's no translation." <laughs> <laughs> they said they're like oh does i don't think the vocabulary exists in the chinese language <laughs> there is but people don't say it i think that's yeah people the... don't say it they said it's very unnatural yes. the way like it's just it's like what you said it just sounds funny like it's the appropriate translation but it's just like it's not something that you know flows easily from your tongue or it's like easy like it sounds natural to you um But yeah, I think for me, I just would like to hear in general what challenges people have, like what their accomplishments are, and kind of what they utilize and what methodology they put in place to help overcome a lot of their challenges. Because a lot of times for me, especially when they go to school, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to speak Chinese, and I hear that really often amongst even amongst our. Friends who are native speakers and only speak Chinese primarily at home, and then I can see their children already responding in English. So I'm really interested in hearing how they maintain the language in that aspect, and I'm also interested in the written language too. So do you choose if you choose to prioritize a written language? If you're going to choose traditional or if you're going to choose simplified? I think there's pros and cons in both. So I'm just curious to see. Why people go a certain way, and I, I'm guessing, I'm assuming, if you probably come from like a Taiwanese heritage, you'd probably lean towards traditional, and if your roots are based in mainland China, you probably lean more towards simplified. It's probably easier, but I do feel like a lot of people struggle between the decision between both,、um, and I think there's pros and cons of that. And then I would also like to hear how people、um, celebrate holidays because we're also entering the holiday season. Because I think when you talk about the Lunar New Year. Like for my family, the tradition is for、um, obviously we have to clean the house, but not not during the holiday season for New Year's. But for red bags, the minute we start working, we give our parents red bags.、Mm-hmm. Yep.、Um, and it's interesting to see like how other families do it because I know people around my age who are like married, have kids, have jobs. They still get red bags from their family. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's just so interesting how different families do it. But for us, it's really important to give red bags to our parents, and we don't give red bags to same generation. So it's it's never the same generation. It's either below or above.、But、yeah. 
You know, recently I have a couple of friends that speak Cantonese. I think one of them are from Hong Kong, and then the other, the other one, I'm not sure where the family come from, but they speak Cantonese at home, and they're they're my age, and they give double hongbao to their kids. They're like two <laughs> together, and they both have money inside. And then when I got it, I was like, "Huh, why?" I think it's just different tradition from different places, and then was like kind of interesting to learn. And I'm so glad that we're actually in the states that are able to meet so many different type of Chinese. You know, it's just like across different region and 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 learn about those traditions. And and I think that's one of the benefit. I think being here that we are able to.、Um, To interact with like so many people with so many background, and even and then also different family have different traditions too. So it's definitely I think for me it's it's one of the even feel like it's like a more、um, important、uh, elements in this journey. Only just because I feel like when they're so little, you can just give them whatever. You think that's appropriate, or you think it's like good for them. But now they have their thoughts. They 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 know a little bit about this world, and I think in, instead of just like having a lesson, learning like this character and that character, I feel like now the activities like the culture and the holiday, like you mentioned, it seems. It's easier for them, and then I think they're also more curious about those things instead of just like memorizing like characters like oh this character. And then because I feel like language is something that you have to use to able to really remember. If you just like having then like go to school and then like writing and then <laughs> repeating the same writing and then never get to really not so much use it in daily life because I now kind of.、Um, Except the fact that they're really not going to use Chinese that much by living here. But I think if there are other parts like like penpal, you know, I'm so glad you told me about the penpal thing. So I started to、uh, introduce this idea bio for my kids, and then actually just talking to my aunt in California, and then I said, you know, my daughter wants you to penpal with you, and then my aunt was like so happy, <laughs> was like, yeah, of course. Um, so I think like introducing these、um, activities can just make Chinese in general. I don't want to just say it's fun. At some point, it start to become a little bit less fun because you can't just always singing and then watch cartoon. But at least I, I want Chinese to be meaningful at least、um, to to our kids and for us and then for and then as a memory when they grew up. Um, so hopefully that we can get more tips from other parents when we when we interview other、um, like people in this journey. So for me, that some topic that I'm interested in,、uh, one of the very top one is like the bilingual schools.、Um, so we currently in a bilingual school in New York, and and I also like. Tour at least one school in California when I was living there two years ago, and so there's like all different type of bilingual school out there. There's like different ratio of how they put Chinese and English. Some of them are has much higher percent of Chinese and lower percent of English from the beginning, or 
from what I see in New York so far is everything's 50-50. So it's like interesting learning about parents who've been through the process. What do they learn about it? Does it work? Maybe they don't learn anything because I even heard from a local parents who's not um, Asian background at all. And she, her son didn't learn anything throughout like entire bilingual elementary school. So I think the, that kind of story also make me wonder like how much more effort that parents have to be involved when we send to our kids to bilingual school. So those are one of my um, top topics that I'm very interested in. And um, the other one is talk about book sets. So I know, Christine, you're just doing Sagebook, right? Right now? Yeah, we're doing Sagebook. So I'm doing Sagebook, and then a lot of parents, I think, in the Facebook group are also doing Sagebook, and then there's also a lot more options out there. So um, I personally read a lot of blog posts about it, but still interested he- just hearing people to to go through their process, go through their journey with this and to learn about if there is any tips. And then especially, I think I want to hear about what they do when the kids just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> because I'm being back and forth with like, I have two kids. So it's like my daughter's able to like do it with me. And then now it's on the third uh, sets. But then now my son is went on first set, second set, and now go back to the first set and still can remember certain vocabulary or, or characters. And I was like, ah, oh, this is just like very um, frustrating, I guess, frustrating. So, so I want to hear about more story about people who use different book sets and then uh, and what they do when they struggle. So those are the two main topics I think came up to my mind that I, I'm wanted to hear more about other people's experience. Um, yeah, I think that's a good one. I think my struggle with sage books is that it's so repetitive that it gets boring for my child. And the other aspect of it is he doesn't have an issue with the memorization, but I don't think he understands what he's reading. <sighs> so it's a comprehension part of it. And because it's, it's a very simple storyline, a lot of it's just like one character at a time. So there's not really much to understand. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's just basically introducing one character at a time. And it's just like a very dull story. No offense to Sage Books, but it's it's not interesting. It's not it doesn't align with what he's interested in, per right. se. And so I think that's so it feels like work because it is. <laughs> But I don't know how to make it fun. Because <laughs> it is a curriculum too, right? Like you, you need to like, you just go like one book to the next book. It's a set curriculum. Exactly. So that's kind of my challenge as well. Yeah, we, we have to review <laughs> characters all the time. Oh, I mean, it's like sometimes like on the weekend, I just like want to relax. I was like, oh, can we not do this? I mean, they're fine not doing it. But if we don't do it, it's like they just forget everything that they learn. So I was like, have to keep reminding myself I have to keep up with this. And then it's like, oh, but then sometimes I give myself a break. I was like, maybe today not, it's not the day. <laughs> You know, it's like I find a day I feel relaxed, I feel rested, and then there also looks like they're not really busy with something else. I was like, all right, let's sit down. Maybe I'll give you give you 
uh, like something when you finish, and usually they get excited. So, oh, I can drink this, or we I can eat some snacks afterwards. So it's like give them a little bit of reward afterwards, it's like helping out. But it's not always work. So um, that that just I don't know. I'm not like very talented and crafty mom because I I saw so many like print out that people do or. You know, and then send out as like a free, free giveaway. I was like, oh, I have to print it out and for them to practice. I just like couldn't keep up with that. So just want to maybe hear more people to share their experience can help me. Also, kind of encourage myself to continue to finish this. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely hard because the crafty stuff is more prep work for us. <laughs> it's a lot of work.、Um, So I definitely challenge with it because you know you see them like do a quick Instagram post or social media post, and then I'm like, oh, that looks fun, it looks easy, and then I do all this prep work, and then my child's like, nah, <laughs> not into it, and I was like, I was like, well, I invested so much time prepping this activity, and you're just not into it.、Uh, so it's definitely challenging,、um, but I think I, another topic that I would be interested in is I know it's been difficult this past few years, but Just summer programs as well. So whether it's to Taiwan or China, I think it would just be interesting. I think a lot of people used to go back consistently, but it just got a lot harder with the quarantine and the borders being closed as well. But I think that's like just an immersive program and hearing which programs are. Because I think it's also the challenge too. We're sending the kids to bilingual schools. You can send a group of kids together, and they can just speak English yeah, all the time、exactly. when they're overseas.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to hear that because I think、um, Taiwan's definitely open now, and I know Hong Kong and also China are start to you know lower the days for quarantine, and then I think by next summer is probably completely open. So it's like. It's definitely like a high priority for my family, and、uh, I think that's a lot of people are thinking the same. So yeah, definitely want to talk to some family who、um, who have been doing this, and I actually know some family they just moved to Taiwan for、um, the past two years, and then some of the some of them just moved back here. So it's like we'll we'll love to hear their experience as well. Okay, so this is the first episode. I'm so glad that Christine and I are able to meet, and then we're very excited for any future episodes that we talk about what's going on in this journey.、Um, but we will also love to hear feedback from our listeners, and so if you can email us or message us from our Instagram account, that would be really awesome. And is there any last word from you, Christine? No, I'm excited. Thank you, Grace, for putting everything together, and I'm excited to meet different parents who are on similar journeys and individuals as well. So, yeah, thank you for all your hard work, and we、yeah. look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, we really look forward to、um, to hear from you, and then also if you have some. Ideas that you want to hear more about it, and we're happy to find a person and then record episode to talk about that topic. So thank you so much for listening. Hope to hear from you.